Good morning, wonderful listeners. You've tuned into Post Session Podcast, a podcast filled with the stoke of a surf session and the wise guidance of an ocean voyager. Your water-loving hosts are ready to share this infectious state of mind while encouraging and inspiring you for your next adventure. Welcome back, PSP listeners. Hey, Laurel. Hey, Ash. Looking good today, all tanned up. Well... I'm back from Puerto Rico. Laurel went to Puerto Rico. She's so glad to be back, aren't you, girl? I am glad to see my hubby and my dog. Yeah. And, and you guys. And come to, yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> well, I want to welcome today, we have a um, special guest, John Dornellis. It's He's special for many reasons. Hey, John. Hi. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I like how the first time, the first word you hear come out of my mouth is a uh, He's 15. Well, his voice is changing. His voice is changing. my voice. Hi. It gets better. It gets better. He's going to be Come here, let me pop that pimple. <laughs> anyway, I want to first say happy birthday to John because he's turning birthday. 30 today. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. This is awesome. But um, anyway. in the glory. Welcome, John. John is my buddy, but he's also multiple spearfishing world record holder. What? That's right. Be impressed. I'm in the room with multiple two world record holders. Yep. Where you at? I don't know. I'm slacking, <laughs> definitely. Team Pelican. Team. Team Rife. FII instructor. Ooh. Most importantly, husband and dad. Mm. I can agree with that. Mm-hmm. His wife, by the way. Yeah. Super attractive. You wouldn't know it, maybe, by looking at John, but his Dude, wife. It's, <laughs> I know. What, what the heck? Let's from? start this off Just right. joking. First thing I said when you walked in the door, tell the audience, what's the first thing I said? She said, why are your nipples popping out of your shirt? No, she <laughs> said, why are you looking so buff? I actually think I said your shirts are shrinking. But what I meant is he's looking great. Yeah, he's yeah. been working out everything. I'm trying. I want to decide at 40 is going to. Kind of, I want to ring in forty right, so been been trying to be a little bit better about deciding the term "dad bod" doesn't necessarily have to be a nega negative. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not with the group of you know, people that you hang out with. Dad bod can be a good thing. I agree. And I agree. I do feel like forty puts the pressure on to kind of think about things and think what trajectory do I want to take for the next ten? Because another decade, we're fifty. Well, what's wild is no, I distinctly don't be fifty. I, I distinctly <laughs> remember my dad's fortieth birthday, and you know, like the mugs and the oh, t-shirts yeah, yeah, and yeah. all this stuff. And I was black it, balloons. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, that was 50, the fact right? that I distinctly remember it though, yeah, as being this big thing. And now I just hit forty. Is and you're doing it's it on the very low key. very weird. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would rather maybe just do there's it on a the surprise party. No, doing it on I the hope DL. not. I don't want to. I like the low key, but I did last night I was getting in. I mean, I kid you not, it was 1030 at night when I finally got off the boat and was pulling into our place. And as I'm pulling in, I see this little silver CRV pulling in. I'm like, that looks like my parents' car. No way. And as I go in, sure enough, my parents drove all the way up from Florida last <gasps> night. Yeah. No. So, so I get, I get, 
I get out of my truck last night and I'm like, Tired. still got land, land le- or sea legs wobbling out. My mom comes walking across 1030 at night, oh, singing wow. happy birthday to me, walking across the parking lot. Your mommy, daddy love you. Yes. The, Are yes, they at your they house do. right now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. You got to get back then. Yeah. Nah, no Whoopsies. stress. No stress. <laughs> they, no, really they cool. know. They know what we're doing today. So. Um, so that was, that was fun. Well, that was fun. speaking of that, let's go ahead and get into our post-session notes and you yeah. can tell everybody why you were sure. on the boat till 1030. Sure. Post-session notes is where we share kind of our latest, our last water. foray with the water. So Laurel's going to tell us about Puerto Rico, I'm sure. But you can tell us what you did yesterday. Why did you have to cancel on us yesterday? <clears throat> well, um, it is March and March in North Carolina and pretty much up and down the East Coast is known for cold fronts and a whole lot of wind and waves and stuff. So the likelihood of actually getting offshore is relatively low. We had a weather window, so decided to go out, um, do a day and try to find some megalodon teeth yesterday. Megalodon! Which is, uh, which is a relatively... Decent way to make a couple bucks and oh, you gro- sell groceries them. are important. Yeah, groceries, groceries are important. Yeah, it's critical. So, oh, critical. so I decided to take the opportunity and go out. So left early in the morning, got back wow. late at night and went diving for a megalodon teeth yesterday. So oh, underwater megalodon teeth. Yeah, it's about 100, 100 feet, 110 feet, something like that. But what he's... It sounds really cool, and it is really cool. But that's a brutal day. You're out there all day mm-hmm. in the in the elements, the chilly air. You know, it was cold sea breeze. Dude, sun. It was chilly, but the water yeah. was 75 degrees out there, Red. Oh, baby. Yeah, yeah 75 like degrees. A little bath, didn't yeah, but oh, the air the air was like 50 something. You just want to stay under. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was. It was definitely chilly. And uh, those are great days, though, when the water yeah, feels that's my favorite yeah. in the fall, yeah. you know. Well, mm-hmm. and then you can lay out this, the Usually. air temperature is cold enough to where your five mil isn't boiling you on the deck. Mm-hmm. So you just get down out of the wind and let the sun kind of bake you. And it's like oh. this nice juxtaposed yes. sensory yeah. uh, thing. And, and, so it's pretty oh, nice. Yeah. Ren Ren is uh whispering to me from the side, urine. Mention urine. Urine. <laughs> urine filled wetsuit. Yeah, you pee, no, dude, pee in your wetsuit. I made the decision yesterday. I'm like, you know what? Today I'm not gonna pee in my wetsuit. I don't so. do that anymore. What? No. no, I don't do it because you're in there for so long that the urine uh it just sits against your skin. You start to get folliculitis, everything's reeks. I well, mean, what kind, of, what kind of lube do you use on your wet? Okay, for those those who are listening that don't know open cell wetsuits, a free diving wetsuit, you have to use lube. You have to put them on mm-hmm. wet because otherwise they stick to your skin. They tear out your hair and most likely you're going to shove your leg right through the wetsuit. <laughs> yeah. They're made from crushing yeah. limestone and it's an ultra supple, uh, flexible type of wetsuit material. Anyway, you cannot put them on dry. We have nope. to use some kind of lube. Usually people use a cheap conditioner mixed with water, like mm-hmm. a slurry essentially. Anyways, so what kind of lube do you use on your... <laughs> Wetsuit. I normally use dirty minded listeners. Baby soap. Stop it. Not our listeners. Baby soap. <laughs> yeah, I use baby soap because I find that it's kind of non comedogenic. It doesn't mess with my skin, mm-hmm. it's sensitive. I also use it for my defog. So I have one one yeah. thing that I have to carry and I just use it for everything. Gotcha. So those suits, unlike my surfing wetsuit, if I pee in the wetsuit, 
it's coming out. You know, it's not sticking against it my skin. It flushes easier yeah. in yeah. one of those suits okay. for sure. It, it yeah. will. Yeah, it will. I think, I think depending on the type of uh, wetsuit lube you use, man, like pee can mix and be really, really gross. Oh, yeah. I remember I got yelled at like oh. early on uh. because I was using coconut conditioner. Oh, and yeah. Coke, oh man, it's bad. But wow. yeah. now have you tried that stuff? Shark's not. It's made out of, uh, uh-uh. excuse me, I just almost burped into the microphone. Have you used the stuff uh-uh. of shark's not? It's made from seaweed. And that stuff, like conditioner, makes me feel like I got a chemical burn at the end of the day. Oh, yeah, it's, right. That's it's all petroleum-based products. Yeah. No, it's so bad. And mm-hmm. your epidermis is your largest organ, mm-hmm. and it's and it soaks in everything. Like a conditioner is meant to be in, washed out, and you're done. That's Not right. But to be bathing in that stuff with your urine all day, like I mean, I get the folliculitis, and you can get staph infection and all oh, sorts it's so of stuff. Gross. Yeah. Okay. But the 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 shark snot stuff is freaking it's sweet legit. yeah okay yeah well uh i want to know what was the biggest tooth you found oh yeah um a little bit smaller than like the size of my hand Whoa. yesterday yeah yeah it, like i i mean i didn't load up on them as much as some of the other guys did but um i found some really pretty small ones found uh usually when you're going you're looking for big teeth mm-hmm. you know the, the bigger Paychecks. the bigger kind of the better right like how much would one that's that the biggest one that you found go for man i think it depends on it depends on who's buying it right like a lot of if you just throw it up on ebay and it's kind of the buyer isn't really known by the by the seller mm-hmm. and the seller's not really known by the buyer people just go on and they want to buy them cheap you know mm-hmm. like uh, a relatively decent grade you know, five inch tooth or, or even a six inch tooth, you may get a good few hundred bucks for it. But if it's something where there's a story behind it and somebody knows mm. the buyer and that tooth is relatively sentimental to me and it's something where like, okay, I'm selling this for my personal collection. That's a totally different story. You know, like this is, this is a $500 tooth. Yeah. Five, 500. Yeah. I've got, I've got one that I found actually on free dive out there Mm -hmm. that was, uh, you know, that's every bit of a thousand dollar tooth. Yeah. Well, Audrey in, uh, the, the coffee shop at the beach. I don't know if you've been in there yet. Um, We've been in there together. Yeah. Well, wait, what's it called again? Fossil. Why am I not? Why is am I blanking on Audrey's shop? Um, no idea. It's Fossil, right? The coffee no, shop? No, no. She has all the Meg teeth yeah. in there. It's mm. not called Fossil. Uh, anyway. Workshop. Workshop. It's called the Workshop. Okay. But she had a couple thousand dollar teeth in there yep. at one time. Oh, yeah. That I, I, I'm assuming Chris Log found them, you know? Yes. Yeah. Because whatever. But uh, yeah, that's cool. That's good. So yesterday, Scuba. Yeah, yesterday I did scuba and honestly Deep, long stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I get scuba is obviously going to be more effective because of the amount of time you can be down there. Mm-hmm, right. But mm-hmm. um, I was out there before and, and sometimes <laughs> I'll captain, sometimes I'll captain for these guys. And so when they're when they're up and they're doing their surface interval, I'll have one of them jump in. They'll be my surface safety. I'll run a vertical line down and then ride the scooter down on free dive. Uh-huh. And for me, free diving is going to always be safer than scuba. Mm-hmm. I mean, scuba, I'm trusting an O-ring with my mm-hmm. life. I'm mm-hmm. trusting a gauge. I'm trusting a computer. Free diving, it's so much more about being in tune with your body and setting up your surface safety, setting up, a, having a good buddy that you trust. And when you're doing that, you're trusting people. You're trusting yourself. You're trusting your instincts. And I mean, my best teeth I've ever found, same depth, and it was all free diving. 
you know? Yeah, because you have buddy confidence. I, no, I feel the same yeah. way, if, especially that far offshore. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you guys are pretty far off. Yeah. That far offshore, if something goes wrong on scuba, it could be really bad. If something goes wrong on freediving, it's likely to be a blackout that's handled right away by a buddy mm-hmm. and everybody's going to be okay. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, if, I, I, I got into scuba. I've never shot a fish on scuba. Um, I've knock at the door. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have to edit that out. <laughs> oh, we'll wait for a sec then. I'll tell you where we were. Laurel was about to tell us about PR, baby. Oh, yeah. So I guess my last time (laughs) in the water was in Puerto Rico. And um, and my last surf session was actually at a break that I had never surfed before. And it was so big. It was 12 feet in the normal places. So this little spot that is right by the marina is called Little Malibu. And it's a right point break and it comes around and you can actually surf it all the way into the no wave marina area. And, but it's like, sometimes newbies will come out there, but it's not a newbie spot. I mean, there are, I ended up hugging a big rock because I came down and I didn't know it was right there. And uh, so it was a lesson, lesson learned, (laughs) but I had a great, you know, it was fun. I kind of was getting like more and more confident is when that happened. So Mm. I was like, Oh, I can go in a little deeper. Oh, I can go in a little deeper. And then then you're knocked down a peg. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Were you surfing or you're just waiting out? Surfing. Surfing. All right. Yeah. So it was, it was fun and there wasn't a ton of people there. And um, so that was a surprise kind of. How many discovery? I know that was your last surf, yeah. but you surfed every day, I'm assuming, or close to every day. Every, yeah, almost every day, minus probably five and nine, ten weeks. And how many how many people did you have come out over that period of time to surf with you? Um, I had good showing. Yeah, well, I had three girls on one trip, one girl on another trip, um, another girl, and one other girl who actually came down for the Waterman survival course Mm -hmm. and so she stayed at my place and then um did the class and so it was a tough class from what she said it was it was hard Mm -hmm. oh with joe sheridan Uh uh-huh yeah yeah oh that's another good connection for you to have i need to connect you guys so yeah he can put people in your place in your spot yeah yeah i didn't even think about that year round there yeah yeah let's do that okay Cool. Okay. All right. How about you, Ash? My post-session note. Well, when's the last time I was in the water? Well, Ren and I took a bath together last night. Mm. So there's that. (laughs) Settle down, Ashley. (laughs) No water. Other other than a little bath time, no water for me. Well, Um, how about a little shameless plug for what you got coming up? Oh, well, I could do that. Yeah, sure. Um, Our first class starts in the end of April. Which class? Our free diving class, free free diver level class. So we'll start our first free diver class in the end of April. And then we're running twice a month all the way through October. Got some intermediate classes coming up. Got uh, some professional development classes coming up. Some spearfishing classes. And we are, we just hired um, a swim instructor to run our swim program. Wonderful. A dude. Whoa, that's cool. Which I was nervous about at first because, you know, sometimes the mommies like the... The bubbly young females. (laughs) But this guy seems super cool. He's super plugged in. Like he's been competitively diving forever. And he said one of his passions. 
Swimming. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. I maybe Competitively a swimming. <laughs> nope. Yeah, I can see where that'd be confusing. Uh, so he's, you know, and I saw him. He's in shape. He looks like he's he's out there getting after some swimming. And um, anyway, so I'm stoked to have him. So when do you sign up for those class? The swimming classes now. You should. If you have a kid, or actually we teach adults too, if you're interested in learning how to swim, preparing your kid for club swim, getting your toddler water safe, it doesn't matter what level. I mean, we've we've done infant classes. And how do they find you? Uh, The website, evolvefreediving.com. There's a tab for swim lessons, or you can just email me, ashley at evolvefreediving.com. Cool. Don't be calling me though. I'm just joking. You can call me. (laughs) All right. Well, that moves us into the injustice of the week. Oh, yeah. Did you come up with an injustice? (gasps) So this is basically where I think the world is broken, essentially. Oh, gosh. This is going to be a big one then. Is that, that's, is that what that, that is? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know for your humorous ones, but okay. It could be light or heavy. Yeah. Um, Let's see. I mean, I, I think just... Generally speaking, um, it's going to be heavy. There, mm-hmm. No, there's, there's, and, and I've kind of been juggling, juggling this a little bit with my family, but there's, um, I guess, especially now it feels so much like there's, we, we subscribe to a world of comfort and pleasure and that costs a tremendous amount of money. And so we, you know, we put so much effort into providing for our families in a way that we consider nowadays to be the standard, the standard, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like nowadays you go and try to buy a new car off a car mm-hmm. lot and what they consider to be uh, a standard feature mm-hmm. or included in the car is a million extra things that we mm-hmm. never knew were on the radar 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so now a car that 10 years ago by comparison would have been 20 grand now they're able to sell them for 50 grand Mm -hmm. right it's like oh this is standard this is just to be expected you're entitled to this well safety features features. are cool (laughs) no i get that but i mean like you know Mm. 10 backup cameras and a big lcd screen and Mm -hmm. you know uh, automatic lane assist and all this kind of stuff all the seats heat up even the back ones yeah and and it's you know and every one of those things you're essentially you know you're paying more so so use that as the metaphor It, it feels like there's so much stuff that we that we pile up around us and 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 it's all in the name of comfort and mm-hmm. security and whatever else. So I just find myself looking at that where it's, well, how much are we willing to sacrifice um, of our time and our effort? You know, it's it's uh, it's not uncommon nowadays for kids to be in, you know, in daycare mm-hmm. or in sitting in a classroom, four walls and be learning from an unknown teacher kind of mm-hmm. thing away from their parents because both parents have to work to, to provide for this life or to keep up. Yeah. yeah to be able to keep up. <clears throat> well, it's kind of a, seems like what you're saying. Cause you're a person who regularly is putting yourself in what many would consider dangerous situation. Although you're managing all the risks, mm-hmm. but I could see from your perspective, looking out, like, you know, it is m- more of a, and like I'm making myself safe and comfortable, you know, I'm putting all these boundaries around myself to insulate myself from any kind of danger and my kids. Mm-hmm. But really that's 
not true either, you know? Yeah. I, I think it's a false sense of security in, in certain ways. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I captain and, uh, the diving is more of like a side thing. I, I, I'm in process right now of writing a book and, you know, it feels like there's a million things that I want to do, but in the end, like, I believe, I believe that the husband's role in a family is to provide for the necessities of life for the family and provide safety. That's it. You know, there's everything else is subsidiary to that. Well, love. What's that? Mm, no, one hundred percent. But wouldn't that be considered like the necessities of life? Yeah, that sure. that is absolutely, you know, as much as as much as you want to provide food and a uh, shelter, love is part of that, and and rearing and so on and so forth, and <clears throat> and in order to be able to do that well, like you know, we have to work and and so on and so forth. But I just find that the simplest days with my kids are the ones that feel the most meaningful it's the simplest times where mm. we're together holding hands listening mm -hmm. to birds chirp watching the stars together we're playing and looking at shells it's not i've never taken my kids to disney world i'm never going to and <laughs> it, all this dude a disney vacation costs like 10 grand yeah it's i saw crazy. people like with their mickey mouse hats on the way to orlando they're yeah. spending ten thousand dollars to bring their kids to this and that means world. they probably have the special pass that you get to go in front of everybody in line because you're the rich kid and the poor kids are in the back i guess that's so. messed up that the whole... poor kids are hanging out back home in the yard with their dads <laughs> yeah i guess well, what I guess do you think so. ashley because that sounds kind of he's right up your y'all's alley he is yeah <laughs> i mean that that's that's probably why the relationship continued, you know, mm -hmm. over the years, because there's some like mindedness there. But this conversation or that injustice is kind of poignant to Ren and me right now because we've been struggling with this. We we had Cape in a little preschool mm -hmm. and he would go three days a week, half days. It was great because I get to get a get a run in, do a few things, you know, because moms do need a break. It is true. Yeah, they do. Big break. It sounds bad to say that, but it anyway, he wasn't into it, was not into it. Mm -hmm. And so we took him out and decided, oh, well, he wants to try Ani's school. But Ani's school, the pre-K program is childcare. That's what it is. It's designed for parents to farm their kids out. And I don't mean to sound that so negatively, but that's how it feels to me. Well, they're not educating them while they're there. Well, yeah, they're good teachers and they are educating them, but it's designed so that both parents can go to work. Mm -hmm. So the whole time somebody else is raising your child mm -hmm. and all of those other things. Anyway, he hates going to school. I mean, kicking, screaming. He's a good boy, but you try to put him in the car, kicking, screaming, tears. Yeah. And finally, Ren and I ready. say, there's something wrong here. Why do we feel the pressure to send him off mm -hmm. when my primary job, the only job that that God gave me. Mm -hmm. Okay, all the other things are jobs that I picked Secondary. up along the way that I yeah. decided to do. Mm -hmm. Maybe with gifts, maybe not. But the only one that he said, this is your job, is raising those children. Mm -hmm. And so um, we For said- now. So uh, we'll, we'll homeschool Kate. Yeah. That's yeah. what we'll do. He's not ready well, for school. It doesn't mean it's forever. It just means right now he's not ready. And he's not he's ready. And you know. He's not ready. And he might not ever be. He might not ever be. But instead of succumbing to the pressures of society, like you're saying, which, you know, we both have to go to work so we can have the $50,000 car instead of the yeah. used one, you know? Well, I think buying a new car 
Any way you cut it is crazy because yeah. you're just getting ripped off. But I would, I wonder too. People seem to have an elevated anxiety level, and mm-hmm. I think. I don't know if it's the chicken or the egg, but they're gathering more insulation to protect themselves, yet their anxiety keeps building on a whole. Uh, you know, Mine is way the- up when we're here. I mean, compared to when we take off and yeah. we just strip life down to what are we eating mm-hmm. and what are we going to do mm-hmm. today? <laughs> yeah. uh, when we start adding all these other, what's your schedule? Well, okay, then, and then we have to have this person over and then we get a... My anxiety goes way up. Mm-hmm. It's non. It's, that's yeah. uncomfortable. No, I, I, and that's kind of that's kind of what I was going with. Is is you know I, I think I think every every family has to figure out what is going to be right for that family. I don't I don't think you know that what works perfectly for one family is going to work perfectly for another. There has to be adjustments. You know, every child is different. The way that you raise one very well might have to be completely different. Like Ani loves school, right? Right. Thrives. (laughs) But, um, but I think, I think you hit the nail on the head is, as we, we just pile up so much, we get, we look around us for what is normal instead of, kind of bringing things back to the basis. And, And I think we have so many examples on what, um, on what a good family can be and, um, whether that's good written works or whether that's, yeah, the scriptures or, or, or whatnot. But I think the main thing is, is like in the quiet moments when, when mother, father and kids are having just a quiet time, I think there's a tremendous amount of power in just looking at what actually do we need? What is, what are the simple elements that let these children grow up knowing who they are, mm-hmm. which first and foremost for me is, does my son know that he's a son of God with divine potential? And does my daughter know that she's a daughter of God with divine potential? And if they do, and they understand what that actually means and how much they are loved by the creator of the universe, the way that they can view each other and mm-hmm. and if my wife and I know these are these children were first and foremost these were God's kids mm-hmm. and they are on loan to us mm-hmm. and we're given this this incredibly uh, powerful role of nurturing these children and being a through their mortal life mm-hmm. of what God's law you know like for yeah our as best kids, as we can you're, yeah. yeah so you're, yeah but you're doing that yeah as, as best as we can and I think like when you look when you look at what is the foundation knowledge of what a family is and i'm a son of god my daughter's a daughter of god we are raising two children on loan from god and if that's the case and there's divine potential at work we're looking at an eternal an eternal timeline that go has gone on for an eternity before we were born as babies will go on for an eternity after we die. And we've got this short period of time here when we're in this testing and trial period called life. And we have this small moment to make sure that these children don't forget who they are. And when that becomes the foundational, yeah, that's the only job though, right? right. That's the only thing. And if that is the foundation for everything that we do as, as a family, Mm -hmm. as a husband and wife raising our kids and, and our children looking at each other and looking at us, 
I mean, everything else suddenly becomes so simple and, and, and it just doesn't feel, it just doesn't feel the anxiety starts to strip away. Yeah. Yeah. And modeling for the kids, you doing your divine potential. Yes. It's, it's instilling in them these values, but part of how you do that is, is pushing yourself to, cause it'd be easy to kind of say, I'm not 100% you know, I, I'm doing this, but also God's put gifts in you yeah. that I think pursuing and um, acknowledging and offering those gifts that you've been given to the world is also modeling how um, how the world works and, and what their mm-hmm. potential will be and how that'll look. Because kids that think all that being an adult is, is don't ever want to grow up no when yeah. you're modeling that uh, being an adult yes there's responsibility but yes there's this fulfillment of pursuing passions and mm-hmm. seeing some things come to come brought forth by your hard work that's a beautiful picture for kids to be excited about for their you know their next. we are the example mm-hmm. yeah we are we are kind of like the vision of God to our kids <laughs> yeah. before God becomes kind a of reality. a real a reality right but you would you would probably agree with this the I feel like the fundamental problem because you have a unique perspective in my opinion in this kind of Space. day and age where there is a guidepost or a center mm-hmm. to to your thought process, to your decision-making, you know, there's a moral compass. And when you don't have that, then you start looking elsewhere Mm -hmm. for those kinds of Mm -hmm. internal satisfactions. Well, we should be working harder because we got to be doing it. And then that's when (laughs) that happens. So when you don't have that, and and, and in my opinion, it's a God-centered kind of life, then you never learn to trust your instincts or trust the Holy Spirit talking in you because you don't think that there is one in you. So you don't trust yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you can't trust yourself, you're not going to trust Anyone anybody else, else either. <laughs> yeah. And so you're just kind of scraping along, trying I to think, figure it out. I think we've already dove deeper. We have. <laughs> it's time to transition. Yeah. Well, let's dive deeper with what we're talking about. Like the, I know Ashley's told me part of your work with freediving is more than just spearfishing and um, megalodon, megalodon uh, tooth finding or teeth finding. It's also about working with people who have anxiety, trauma and, mm-hmm. and um, addiction recovery and, you know, that maybe we're self-medicating. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, my dad was an Olympic windsurfing coach and he's had me, he's had me teaching one type of water sport or another since I was, you know, young teens essentially. Um, and so I've, I've always had a passion for teaching and instruction and taking, uh, taking information, breaking into its elemental forms and being able to teach others. So when I became a freediving instructor under Martin Stepanek, um, he and I view education very much in the same way. So I felt very confident. Um, I helped to co-write, co-write the spearfishing curriculum for, for FII. <clears throat> and, um, and so as time went on, um, as time went on, I had 
you know, my windsurfing background, sailing and surfing and, and now free diving instruction and so on and so forth. And I was hired by an addiction recovery facility to be their experiential director, which essentially is do stuff with them, do stuff with them. Yeah. Get, get them out, get them outdoors, <laughs> have them, have them experience something that, that they, that they can apply to their own recovery. Now, right about this time, my brother, Michael, um, who has struggled with addiction for a long time. Uh, he just got clean from heroin addiction. Ooh. And, and I watched such a huge change in him um, through the recovery process. And with him, for me, looking at it from a bit of an, over, uh, an oversimplified uh, perspective, a good therapist, hard work in his recovery, and then a tremendous amount of time in the water, diving with bull sharks and filming and being immersed in the water. It, it, you know, it's, and looking at it neurologically, when, when we're free diving and we're able to get out of our own heads and we're able to be in the moment, we're able to kind of get out of that fight or flight brain and engage, uh, engage, yeah. And, and, and be a little bit more engaged, you know, get, get our, uh, parietal lobe engaged or parietal lobe, however you say that, get our prefrontal cortex engaged, um, our unique human brain uh, mm -hmm. engaged. So um, I had always heard about this thing called rock walk, which is uh, super old. You know, Laird Hamilton does some of this stuff, but, you know, nobody can track back who invented the idea of going to the bottom, grabbing mm -hmm. a rock and walking on the bottom. Yeah. The idea is basically mental toughness, carbon dioxide tolerance mm -hmm. and so on. Blue crush. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Everybody's so, doing it. So I started doing this with my with uh, the guys in in substance use uh, disorder in the pool or in the ocean or whatever, and I started noticing that what was happening when they were burning oxygen, high levels of carbon dioxide would kick in, and this kicks in what's called the urge to breathe. Mm -hmm. You guys know what this is? It's a reaction yeah. to high levels of carbon dioxide. Everybody has experienced this, you know, tightening of the chest, contractions in the breathing uh, muscles. But what really caught me was when the guys would explain their thoughts under the water when this urge to breathe would kick in. Mm. And I noticed that the thought patterns and the resultant emotional responses to those thoughts perfectly paralleled the types of thoughts and emotional patterns that would lead them into relapse. Mm. And I started noticing that, wait a minute, essentially when they're experiencing the urge to breathe and they're having a limbic response, the old animal brain, they are paralleling um, some of their tendencies, right? Mm -hmm. Without actually exposing them directly to past traumas or past negative experiences, they're able to tap into the same part of their brain that's that's been struggling for a long time. So what I started doing is I, I arranged rock walk into a way to where we could first go in, they experience the urge to breathe and they basically hold the weight until they can't go anymore. Usually it's because their brain's shouting them in one way or another. We have a powwow, Great. we talk about it, whatever. Mm -hmm. Next next round they go and I say, listen, listen walk until you can't go anymore, mm -hmm. right? Keyword can't, mm -hmm. quote unquote, which is usually going to be a head head oh, yeah. thing. Nobody passes out, especially in the beginning. 
Yeah. Because there's definitely people that can walk until they can't go anymore. Well, and here, you know, and we'll get into this me. in a second. No, we'll <laughs> get into this in a second. And some of the, you'd be surprised how many of like the special forces guys will hear that go mm-hmm. until you can't go anymore. And they go and they drop the weight without any hypoxic symptoms. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Because it's the head shouting, right? It's the yeah. fear of what's going on inside Especially the mind. Especially special forces, guys. I don't want to yeah. derail the conversation. No, 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 so. no. You're good. Um, so anyway, so second round and third round are very similar where essentially you go until you can't go anymore. And then when you want to drop the weight, regrip the weight. And I just want you to count five steps. Mm-hmm. Now, neurologically speaking, what this is, is now they're experiencing they the urge to breathe. They're having a limbic response. And then by setting a goal of mm-hmm. walking five steps, they're purposely engaging the prefrontal cortex, which is like goal setting and forward thinking and so on. So now they're forcing their more developed human brain to engage in the middle of a limbic response Mm. and walking those five steps. When they're walking those five steps, this is kind of coming back to uh, walking meditation, which is, if you guys look that up, that is fantastic like absolutely incredible um, on the monks, the way that they would be absolutely in the moment Mm -hmm. um, engaging their sensory, their sensory brain. So go until you can't go anymore. Then they, of their own volition, place the, place the weight down. Mm -hmm. Round three is basically that, except for they're going till they can't go anymore. Walk steps until you hit another wall, regroup the weight, then start counting again. And it's this volley back and forth between various As portions of the brain. As they strength in, in their minds. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so we call this wolf walk, where essentially you're, the dark wolf is essential. The limbic yeah. system is is absolutely essential to our survival. It's our survival brain. Mm-hmm. But the light wolf being our higher self, our you know, a prefrontal cortex, the part of us that makes us uniquely human, a sense of self, sense of purpose. Um, it's this volley back and forth. And essentially what it does is it helps to separate the voices in our head mm. where instead of us just it, listening to all this stuff that's going on inside of our noggin and thinking that it all comes from the same place, being able to peel those apart and recognize what is logic, what is not, where am I reacting? Where am I compulsively reactive Usually that has to do with emotional response, limbic brain. Grab dark the bag wolf. of chips. Yeah, there you go. Um, versus where am I actually having logical thought? Because mm-hmm. the prefrontal cortex is where we get our logic, not the animal brain, right? right? Animal brain is the emotional center of the mind, knee jerk, compulsivity and stuff. So being able to separate these and look at yourself objectively, look at your own thoughts, you start to gain power over, you know what? I know this thought. When you get out of the pool, I know this thought. This is not as logical as I thought that it was. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can just place this over here a second. Maybe instead of uh, of giving into this thought and knowing that this is going to put me into an emotional state that I don't like, that's going to turn me to anger, violence, drugs, uh, drugs my alcohol, um, sexual addiction. Yeah, whatever it mm-hmm. is, you know, like you name it. Um, flipping somebody off in traffic or whatever, I can place it aside just long enough to say, it's not worth it to go down this path. I'm going to change the way that I'm thinking. Choose different. To change the way that I'm feeling and therefore change my decisions. And and it's it's been really incredible to see, uh, see this. I had a guy reach out to me that um, he's like, I've tried to lose weight my whole life. You know, I, I this guy was crying in the pool with me one time. He's like, I don't want to die. You know, my family's worried about me. You know, he's, he's had a really hard time with eating. <clears throat> Call me up like six months later. And he said, 
you know, I lost 90 pounds. I've lost 90 pounds so far. And he says that I can point, I can point that loss directly to the day in the pool with you. Oh, I had special wow. forces guys that have reached out to me and, and have been like, I, I thought I was just a robot that I had no, no emotions whatsoever. And like the day I got out of the pool with you, I went home, talked to my wife and said, we need to talk and cried in front of her for the first time in our 10 year relationship and was able to open up about stuff. And that's been, that's been the, the story. I've never had anybody jump into the pool or get into the water with me that haven't had this, you know, some kind of, of I'm a believer kind of thing now. And the, the idea is essentially like, just get to know yourself. The whole idea behind Wolf Walk is don't be a mystery to yourself. Mm. And, um, and so it's been really fascinating to watch. Now, granted, Wolf Walk is not a therapy. It's not designed to be the end all. Mm -mm. It's designed to give you something to look at to be less of a mystery to yourself. And it's a visual aid and yeah. an experiential aid yeah. that you put someone in a unique situation, completely new to them, mm -hmm. and they're trusting you to guide them. And then you're giving them the tools to separate those two brains. And, you know, we as humans are the only ones with that other yeah. part of our brain. Yeah. But so. one of the important elements, I think, is... Uh, I don't know when we're working with people because everyone's going to freak out. I mean, mm -hmm. very few people do not. Mm -hmm. And so you do similar, even in a regular freediving course where you say, okay, when you feel like you can't just three more pulls, this sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. But what's so powerful um, about what you're doing is when, when people will surface, you'll ask them what they were thinking or why did you surface is the first thing. Yep. Why did you surface? That way they can tell me my ear hurt or they can say, I don't, I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's normally what you hear is I don't know because they don't, they're only responding mm -hmm. to the, the negative stimulation. And so what you're doing is giving them more words to use. I don't know might be their first answer, but after that, when they do the second round, like you're saying, they can go, well, I just really felt like I needed to breathe mm -hmm. and okay. You feel like you need to breathe. Then what? What mm -hmm. are you thinking? Yeah. Because they don't even know that they're not thinking or that they are thinking. There's no kind of self-awareness. Right. And so that's a really great, what you're doing is really great. Because we're way. freaking out. Well, well think, think about this. <laughs> they though, don't right? know why, especially yeah. like a special forces guy. Mm -hmm. They don't know right. why. They're like, I don't know why I can't do this. Yeah. Well, and, and if we'll break that down. So Probably. in your case, for example, somebody says like, well, why'd you come up? And they say, well, I needed to breathe. Mm -hmm. Break that down, right? right? What do you mean I need to breathe? Mm -hmm. You know, Mrs. Crabapple in fifth grade taught you about the physiological process of respiration. You breathe in oxygen, you need oxygen to survive. You breathe out carbon dioxide. You know that you need oxygen to survive. Inside of your head, somewhere in there, you're thinking, I feel like I need to breathe. That must mean I need oxygen. If I don't breathe oxygen, I'm gonna die. Really, I don't know what means I think I'm gonna die. Well, what, yeah. the, what they or verbalize is I'm out of air. So then right. you have to, but that's when you spend the time in the classroom beforehand describing why you don't need that air, mm -hmm. you know, and we were only down for 10 seconds and how long did you hold See, your breath? And, and, that's, and that's all logical thought, right? Mm -hmm. But here's the fascinating thing is when did that thought come in? The thought came in, when the urge to breathe kicked mm -hmm. in. The urge mm -hmm. to breathe is a limbic response. And so when they are able to identify that, like when the limbic system is feeding you thoughts, 
you can pretty assuredly know that that is a limbic lie. Okay. Mm -hmm. So is it true that we need oxygen to survive? Yes. Yes, it is. But the limbic system knows how to deliver true information out of context to get what it wants. The limbic system's job is to keep us protected. Right. And so if it thinks, if it thinks that it needs to step in, it will tell you anything that it wants to get what it wants. The problem is, is when the limbic system or the fight or flight brain has been hijacked by trauma, compulsive, yeah, trauma, compulsive stuff, PTSD, you name it. Yeah. Um, What it will do is when it says like, uh, I don't feel good. I need to snort I don't, cocaine. Yeah, I don't like mm-hmm. I don't like the way that this self disgust feels, this fear, whatever else. I need to medicate. Mm-hmm. And when the limbic system has basically had its reward pathways uh, uh, hijacked by a substance or mm-hmm. by a compulsive uh, compulsive behavior, it wants that compulsive behavior or that substance to be able to get the reward so that it feels better and it settles down. And it'll tell us anything that it can to get us to fail. And if the fear of death is one of those, it's gonna feed the easiest stuff to it, right? The dark wolf has plan of A, plan attack A, and if plan attack A works every time, it's gonna <laughs> use that again. So what, what happens then? You tell them like, hey, remember, if you tell them just blanket, wait a minute, you're being told by your brain, mm-hmm. you need to breathe. Is that true? Yes, you need to breathe. But in this case, is it told you out of context? Yes, it is. Because you're responding to high levels of carbon dioxide, not low levels of oxygen. Mm-hmm. Your mm-hmm. limbic brain is telling you, you need oxygen. It's telling you that truth out of context to what? Off gas carbon dioxide. You experience a limbic lie. Maybe even before carbon dioxide, maybe just a little bit of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think I like how you normalize it, like telling the person, you know, this is going to happen. This is what your brain does. And this Mm -hmm. is why it does what it does. And it's it's worked Mm -hmm. or hasn't worked for you. But, you know, so prepping that person for little small increments of change. Yeah, and that's when knowledge ahead of time becomes so important because, uh, <laughs> yeah, Laurel's phone just just that's rang. That's on silent. Bad naughty, girl. Naughty. Bad girl. Very bad. Naughty, naughty. I'm the one that told everybody to silence their phones. So I would say, okay, you you give them some information mm-hmm. so that they have it in the background. Mm-hmm. You put them in the situation where they experience the negative response, and then you charge them with the information they have to start to override that, that we're calling the limbic system, this fight flight response, sort of the, the dark wolf, mm-hmm. but it's a very important wolf also because exactly. it literally it's a protects necessary us wolf. from wolves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, there are times when you do want to override this. And one of those would be anxiety, depression, PTSD, and those things where we've developed these super negative kind of ways to manage stress. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I saw a girl the other day, uh, it was an advertisement for this choking, uh, whatever it is. It's a suction that when people are choking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it pulls up. So the girl in the background is flipping out. Yeah. There's no power in her to mm-hmm. calm down, to take action. To, she's just screaming mm-hmm. while somebody else is trying to take action. That would be negative. Where was I going with that? Oh, 
So what I want to do is what's the next step for people? Do you tell them afterwards, okay, follow this up with therapy or continue your free diving practice? Where, where do they go? Um, I have a one, it's a one and done. I guess it kind of depends. It depends on the, on the, the situation, right? Cause there's, there's times that I have been called into, you know, if there's a, if there's a, a counselor or a therapist and he has a group of, of people that he feels like would benefit from this, we'll do, uh, we'll do a wolf walk around their existing therapy, right? They'll come in, we'll do wolf walk and then they go back individually or in group and work with their therapist over what they experienced. Mm. How does that relate to what they've been working on already in their, in their counseling? Sometimes, you know, it's a, it's a team building kind of thing. We should connect him with Maid Wilson or with Buffy. I bet she'd be into this. Oh yeah. That's a good idea. She has a little center for wholeness. Cool. Mm-hmm. Therapy based. But there's, um, you know, there's times where it's more about team building and you got to remember too, like with, with this, it's not just about, it's not just about the generality of mental toughness. I mean, there's research that goes into, and, and I, this is a caveat, right? Or a transition, but um, there's studies that are shown that facial gestures, human contact, tone of voice can lower cortisol levels increase oxytocin levels that's like the rest mm-hmm. hormone right that's the love the love drug right right so even when, like a when smile. somebody's coming up yeah yeah so when somebody's coming up you know the, I, and i've said this the scariest place in the world is your own brain that is the scariest place <laughs> in the world kind of like what you were saying the the circumstance of this woman experience her or child choking that is a scary circumstance, mm-hmm. but what's scary is not the circumstance. What's scary is her thoughts that are mm-hmm. driving the emotions around that circumstance. Mm-hmm. And when people are, are, when those emotions are, are unpalatable and their knee jerk is to panic, mm-hmm. that's where we run into problems, right? So thoughts, emotions, actions. Bingo. Bingo. Right. So we have circumstances. Circumstances do not make you feel anything. Circumstances drive thoughts. Thoughts drive emotions. Emotions drive our behaviors. And so if we can learn how to control our thoughts around a circumstance, we can begin to control our emotions. And therefore, how do we react to these things? Are we reacting logically or are we acting, reacting compulsively in a, in a way that you know, people who panic, those are the ones that get into trouble. Right. (laughs) But it's like a new meaning for the word, a free thinker, because that's what you're kind of saying. Instead of being bound by the circumstance that drove the thoughts and emotions and actions, you're able to free yourself from the limbic impulse Mm -hmm. and have more free thinking thoughts like, oh, okay, it's saying this, but I I can choose yeah. choose to put that on a shelf and and think with my other part of my brain that is more rational and make a decision that's going to be productive in this moment. And um yeah, and 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 that's all that's all part of it. So and with the team building side of things, like so now imagine that you've been going through this volley and you've been in the scariest part of your brain. And then you come up from your breath hold, you've done as best as you can. You take that breath, you off gas carbon dioxide, and now the limbic response goes down and who's sitting right in front of you? Your safety, mm-hmm. right? Your safety is right there. Their arms reach away, probably hand on your shoulder, human contact. Lots of touching, yep. 
facial gestures. Hey, buddy, you're okay. Breathe, breathe. Tone of voice, facial uh, gestures, and human contact. What is that doing? Lowering cortisol. Mm -hmm increasing oxytocin. So now in a team building scenario, you've got a group of salesmen that are going out and they have a very like competitive <laughs> team mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And now suddenly everyone's opening up like, these are my thoughts, these are my feelings. And you've got guys that are, that are crying in front of each other because they don't like what they got going on inside their head. And now they've got a, a community giving them support, letting them know that it's okay. So now not only have they learned how to put the dark wolf in its place, in its rightful place as a watchdog mm -hmm. and, and gain awareness, been, become less of a mystery to themselves. They've, they've done so in a, in a place, I hate to call it a safe place, but they've done so in a, a place, place where, where, where now like, uh, in a pool, that's what we're talking about. Well, no, pool, kidding. pool or shallow or shallow ocean yeah. water that's yeah. clear, but they've done so in a place to where now their brain knows like it's okay to go through this process of self-discovery of becoming less of a mystery to themselves because I neurologically just drop down my alarm. Um, my cortisol just dropped. My oxytocin just went back up. I am in a place where this guy's got my back. I know that I'm not going to die and on, and, and he's got me. And I've got him. There's trust there. And so, you know, with the special forces guys, you see this as well. So in answer to your, to your question, I mean, what is next? What's next is what's going to be best for these guys. You know, I, I always recommend um, finding a good therapist. There's lots of, there's lots Quackos. of questionable. Yeah. There's lots of questionable folks out there that. I think your past life is driving this behavior. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, who knows? Who knows? But, you know, I, I think for most, for most of these guys. in Britain. <laughs> I've, I've seen that. Uh, I'm joking, but, um, we had a child therapist that was giving that to the family and then the family, you know, the next time I'd meet with them, they're telling me this is why this is happening. And it really wasn't solving <laughs> anything for them. <laughs> no, it was creating no some problems. Yes, huh? it yeah. was creating some difficulties. Yeah. Perf yeah. But, well, um, wow, that's cool. So how do people sign up for this class or is can it be anyone or does it have to be special forces or, or do you what how? What's going on? Yeah, I just, um, I mean, right now, right now, I don't advertise this. This has kind of been word of mouth. Um, you know, I had a, I had a trip out to Lackland Air Force Base, was teaching uh, some special warfare students and instructors out there. And that came because of, of word of mouth recommendation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the guys out of Fort Bragg, uh, Green Beret guys, I was, was random. I had one of them call me and ask about a, about a spearfishing course. Mm -hmm. And I started talking with them and, and eventually got in contact with some of those guys and, and got out. So, you know, right now, right now, I, to be completely honest with, with trying to provide for the family and captaining and that kind of thing, I'm not really putting it out there as like a, Hey, come sign up for this. It's more of, if there's an existing group then I'll go in and, and do this. I would love to be able to eventually do this for the private, for the private sector in yeah. a way that, that provides for my family so that I can put, you know, my free time into doing this for vets mm -hmm. 
free of charge. You know, I, I've well, seen what it's done for, for guys who are active duty and, um, maybe there's a vets. collaboration opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, sure. because I do do, do, you know, the free diving stuff for a living. So if I could <clears throat> put together something and organize a group, we could bring you in as a special. Anytime. It yeah, seems like anytime. it would work better with a male group and a female group. Is that true? I've, I have had a mixed and, mm. and it's actually, it's actually pretty cool. I think, so here's what happens, right? So will men show, cry and do the whole thing in front of I've, women? I've seen it. Okay. Yeah, I've seen it. And it's actually really, it's actually really imp- impressive because when there is, when there is a, when there's a, a, a setting of you're good, you're good here. Like when I go in, I'm the first one to go and, and I, I do my own wolf walk and I've already taught everybody how to do their safety, how to rescue me. I said, you're my safety and we're all going to stay together. You know, let's say there's five of us or four of us to mm-hmm. a weight, 35 pound weight. We're going back and forth and we're walking on the bottom. I come up and when we're done, I first, I'm the first one to, to tell them like, here's what I'm going through. And a lot of the time I share with them like, Hey, I, my thoughts were, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And a, a kind of a regular one for me, especially when I'm teaching special forces, mm-hmm. is, man, I, my, and my thought will go when the limbic system kicks in, man, I hope that these guys respond well to this. And then that transitions into, you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. these guys are going to think you're a quack mm-hmm. or some kind of like negative emotion Bliss. where, yeah, where, where mm-hmm. like there's fraud. shame around it. There's fraud. There's, mm-hmm. you know, you're not good enough. And, and when I straight out put myself on the fire right in front of them, the, they realize like, okay. dang, dude, this guy's willing to not only do this with us. He's not sitting on the edge. He's in the water with us doing this. So when it's with men and women and so so on suddenly you start hearing them express themselves Mm. and you know and the girls will sometimes talk about how they feel so outgunned because they're trying to live up to this standard Mm -hmm. you'll have the guys talk about you know the last time they yelled at their kids and they just want to be a better dad Mm -hmm. and you know and there's this tremendous uh accountability. And I think a lot of it is because of the trust that comes from them protecting each other. Mm-hmm. And they they get a payoff when they do express and they experience the compassion and the care of the other people in the group. It, it, it opens up. I've never seen anything like it and anything mm-hmm. else that I've done. I've, I've never seen anything where people who either didn't know each other before or knew each other in such a different way a very macho life or a very like competitive mm-hmm. uh, community. Now suddenly these guys are opening up and I, I'm like holding a big war machine crying on my shoulders, you know, it's, it's <laughs> wild. And, uh, and so that's, that's kind of been my experience with it. And I think a lot of it just comes because I go in, I'm vulnerable with them. I do my very best just like anybody else. And, um, you know, and, and when people are willing to do that, it kind of doesn't matter who's in the pool. You know, you, you got guys who are, you got guys who have been overseas, run multiple, um, multiple deployments. And then you've got somebody else in the same group that wants to be that guy mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just haven't quite cut it. They've dropped out of, of 
uh, special warfare or whatever, they feel a tremendous amount of pressure. They're also opening up and they're watching their hero open up. And, and what it does is it sets them up and it gives them some fuel here on, well, who do I talk to now? Like we had the, we had the human performance psychologist sitting on the edge of the pool, watching this one time out at Fort Mm -hmm. Bragg. And dude, she's like wide eyed, open mouth, like (laughs) writing notes down. And the, you know, the, the master sergeant was looking over. He's like, man, these guys really start talking when they're in the pool, huh? And I'm like, it's not just the pool, buddy. It's like, (laughs) this is the community. This is what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Get in here. Get in here. I think there is a, there is a situation where it might be good to separate the genders though. So like if you had a group of women who were. Oh, 100%. Abused or whatever right. by yeah, men. They're yeah, not going to sure. be comfortable with guys Mm-mm. and we'll need to be separated. But but on the other hand, it, you know, to see men be vulnerable if they've That's been right. exposed to men who are, you know, not, un, not mm-hmm. um, could be helpful too. But, exactly. Wow. This was so interesting. I'm Loaded. so glad Ashley uh, invited you on our show and uh, on his birthday. On his <laughs> birthday, and of course, you know, I did want to know. You talked about on your website the special fish recipe. Maybe it was the halibut, and oh, I really um, wanted to know what the right. sauce was. Oh, you yeah. said because you were doing it over a chunked up cast iron open fire. Pan, mm-hmm. but there was some sauce on it that you say on your website. Oh, what yeah. is this is because uh, he's Team Rife, so this is on the Rife uh, Spearfishing website. They asked, "What's your Spear favorite?" Gun. Speargun.com, yeah. Mm-hmm. Speargun.com. Yeah, I for some reason I don't know. Maybe it was because I was, was hungry or whatever, but it was it was rendered duck fat. Well, I brought oh, yeah, I brought rendered duck yeah, fat. Yeah, so we brought halibut back to. Um, we brought halibut back to the East Coast. And so we were doing a camping trip with uh, a good buddy and his family of mine. I mean, uh, a good buddy of mine and his family down in South Carolina. And and we had this open fire going, big old cast iron skillet. And my buddy's wife was like, hey, you want to use some rendered duck fat? And I was like, yeah, sure. What else and it was got? the simplest thing. So we throw rendered duck fat in. And then there's this stuff called Traeger Black and Saskatchewan rub. What is that? So it's like a little tin. <laughs> Traeger brand. Is it it's, from Alaska? No, no, oh, no. It's huh. just Traeger grills. They okay. make these rubs. And this one is called Black and Saskatchewan. And dude, that stuff on venison backstrap. <laughs> and and I just was like, well, what's going to be the simplest? Like, it's breakfast time. We're cooking some eggs. We got whatever else. I'm like, eggs and halibut sounds good to me. So just Black and Saskatchewan rub and super high heat and seared the... Uh, Seared the halibut. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Well, that's kind of full circle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Clean, simple. It's best, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's move into uh, drift into some God water. So I know, Ashley, you kind of set us up with a little scripture. Yeah. Which one did I? It's 2 Timothy 1 7. I thought you had it memorized. Yeah, that's right. 2 Timothy 1 7. Yeah. For. Uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of strength, love, and self-control. So that's the kind of the uh, scripture I picked for you because it sort of encompasses the, the work that you do with those guys, you know, the, the spiritual reminder. And sometimes I have to whisper this to my kids at night, especially when Cape's scared because the dark or whatever. Or Bad dream. Whatever it is. Yeah. Just that reminder Ultimately, all the things that you're doing in the pool are, sounds like they're working beautifully for these people. But 
yeah, the ultimate reminder, you're, you were not given a spirit of fear. We were not endowed with a spirit of fear, That's right. but of strength, love to soften the strength and self-control. Mm-hmm. So the Bible kind of spoke many, many years ago directly to what you're doing now. Which I think is kind of cool. That is really cool. I I think you hit the nail on the head, you know, and that goes back to what we were talking about Mm -hmm. earlier on is the, uh, would you say the injustice? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, the injustice is, I mean, what is is the driving motivator for the world? Fear. Mm -hmm. That is what Mm -hmm. drives people to make decisions, you know. I'm, we, we, you know, the, 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 forces of darkness in this world, you know, kings and king or kings and principalities and rulers of the darkness of this world working beyond the veil to destroy the family and to take away love and faith and so on. I believe that fear and faith are the antithesis of one another. Sure. Where there's fear, there is no faith. And where there's faith, there's no place for fear. And so we we try to have a home of faith. We try to build up uh, a heart filled with faith and with love. And if we're armed with the shield of faith, right? Um, right? Shield and the armor of God. Yeah, shield of faith. Shield of faith, right? Yeah. So if we are if we are protected by the shield of faith, the darts of fear from the adversary have no place, right? The arrows can't reach us. Yeah. And um and we're protected. That's that's the whole idea. Where one is, the other cannot be. It's either fear or it's faith. And and I think on a daily basis, we're met with both. Just because we start the day off with faith doesn't mean that we're not going to be met with some opportunity to, to feel beaten down by fear. And it's you know? not always, I guess, kind of like what you talked about. It's not always from the outside. It can be from the, within. within our, yeah. our own dark wolf and protector Mm -hmm. you know hey hey hey, danger 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 up ahead Mm -hmm. and then but we've been given more than just that Mm -hmm. unlike the animals we've been given this other mind yeah it's the mind of christ and like i've been practicing lately um in those moments when if i'm in the lineup and you're pissing me off you know instead of like going to that place of you know, reaction. Yeah. Calling them names and whatever. I received the mind of Christ. And that is what it is. It is a strength, faith, Mm -hmm. love, Love and Mm self-control in that order. Yeah. Yeah. And even with the kids, you mentioned like KP, you know, when, when he wakes up and he's scared or whatever else, I, I tell this to, to John, John, I told both of the kids is, Hey, listen, if you ever feel, um, fear you can pray and ask Absolutely. for courage yeah. and and what's more as i said there's so much power in the name of jesus christ mm-hmm. and there's been times where jonathan says you know i woke up with a really bad dream mm-hmm. and he said and i and i basically said in the name of jesus christ you know go back away off. back mm-hmm. off and and they are know that they know that that name has power there and what is that that is replacing fear with faith mm-hmm. and fear can be um, you know, anxieties and it can be fear itself and, and just overall darkness and that cloud. Mm-hmm. And, and as a child, Oppression. I mean, yeah, man. And the it, enemy doesn't, he doesn't pull any punches. He will, you know, mm-hmm. come after the kids. And yeah. That's why early on you say, what can you do in that situation? Yeah. And the answer is I can pray. 
Yeah. Yeah. What Bingo. can you do? Yeah. And just remember too, man, like, yeah, yeah. You know, Ephesians says that, that we're surrounded by the rulers of the darkness of this world. And we know that, you know, the devil and his, and his angels are constantly around us, but, but there's way more of God's angels. Yeah. We have, you know, we have ancestors watching over us. We have God's angels watching over us and there is a battle going on that we don't see, but we can certainly feel. And the kids are so attentive to that. Mm -hmm. They know that whether they can put a word to it or not. And so when, when we feel fear, it is up to us to ask for courage and to exercise faith because when faith starts to get in, it sheds light and the fear begins to shed off. Greater is he who is in you than he who's in the world. So mm -hmm. we, we outnumber with mm -hmm. God, whatever yeah. he is doing. Yeah. And they say like one day when the veil is removed, we'll look at the enemy and go, that's yeah. what I that? was. That, yeah, right. that's it. That wreaked havoc in my mm -hmm. life. But it's hey, the cleverness no. of the enemy. It's yeah. not the numbers. It's not the power. Because no. he doesn't have the power. He's already been defeated. It, yeah. Right. It's just the cleverness getting into us, even with the kind of cars that we drive, you know, yeah. the kind of house that we're mm -hmm. those little that's what things. He did in the garden. Still doing today, but he's been watching us for a long time. Yeah, he's much, yeah, much more clever now. There's yeah. so many yeah. more tools now. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you you don't you don't think that you don't think that the devil knows neurology. Mm -hmm. You don't mm -hmm. think that the devil doesn't understand the way that the human mind is geared. The fact that we are designed a certain way. I mean, what does he do? Is he takes truth and he slightly perverts it. Mm -hmm. A thousand truths to slip in a lie, right? Just and a little. One. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, really, that's 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 what he All does. All he needs and, is us to come a little bit off the path, because a little bit over a long period of mm -hmm. time. We know that from sailing. Yeah, you divert a couple degrees, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. And into this shoal. C.S. <laughs> Lewis. I always get think about C.S. Lewis when I, I think about him. this visual we're talking about yeah. now and the screw tape letters. Yeah. yeah. It's so good, so funny. Yeah. And it's a good read. So okay. To wrap this up, yep. um, I'm going to put in the show notes, which we already have on our resources, um, the, the Rye, the Pelican, FII, your Instagram, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, so people can follow and see what you're doing and just kind of get more involved. Um, maybe I'll... Maybe I'll put the screw tape letters, a little link. Yeah. In case cool. anyone's interested. Yeah. Absolutely. That's cool too. Maybe something on walking meditation. Okay. Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, yeah. man. If you I guys haven't that. looked that up, definitely do. Maybe you could send Ashley a link to yeah. something, in, you know, that we would put on the website. Yeah. We want to thank you for mm -hmm. coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. Taking time out of your birthday. Exactly. Big thanks. Big happy birthday. I wish I would have known session. that. We would have had something. Well, Ren has the donut. The big one. Big 40. <laughs> I wasn't going to say. <laughs> big I'm officially, 40. I'm officially five sixth of the way through my life just kidding uh, I, don't know. I know this really cool this lady Four creature fits. who said we don't know the time or the day that we are going so just because you're 20 doesn't mean you're young because you may only have 30 or 40 years and just because you're 50 doesn't mean you're old because you may live to be 100 That's we right. don't know the day yeah I almost died yesterday yeah. <laughs> in traffic seriously well, no i mean it, it, and if i could share this too um i also just celebrated my brother's birthday but he'll never 
you know, it would have been his 38th birthday mm. and he did relapse and took his life. You know, it's coming up on two years ago. And, um, you know, I have, I, I personally, so when I just went in, I found out the other day, basically like the therapist feels like, yeah, you're telling me you're, you're, you've got PTSD. Mm -hmm. When my brother died, I'm, I went and I cared for his body. Um, you know, I dressed him and, um, left, uh, you know, left an Eagle feather on his chest. And, mm. you know, I was the one that pushed him into the oven that day. And next time I saw him, he was ashes in a box, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so she was saying, you know, I've, I've got PTSD and I, you know, I think, um, from that experience, which doesn't surprise me at all. And so I'm going to be working through some of that, but, um, I think my head has been pretty darn clouded and I haven't really been able to feel him close except for like one time when I was riding his motorcycle. Mm -hmm. But, um, but talking about having power from beyond the veil watching over, it's like my kids have told me that they feel uncle Michael close. Yeah. You know, my wife has felt uncle Michael close and, you know, and I think, I just think, we look so much as, as death is this huge thing. It's a movement, you know, it's, it's easy to look at birthdays and that kind of thing. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, death is coming. It's, but, <laughs> you know, I, I, part of me is like, oh man, you know, it's just a movement. Well, when you know Jesus and with a relocation. Yeah. You yeah. know, and so, and absolutely, uh, Hebrews tells us that we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And mm -hmm. I mean, my dad passed away this past year and he was a big game hunter. So mm -hmm. I've kind of built this little picture in my head of, you know, of course, you know, he's not hunting the animals, but I picture some big lion because it says there's a lion and a lamb in heaven. So why mm -hmm. not? And playing hide and seek with my dad. Like I just picture him ruffling the mane of the lion when he finds him or, you know, whatever. Hmm. So I picture him doing a little game hunting, finding hide and seek. <laughs> That's sweet. You know what Bonhoeffer said? He said, well, what's so powerful about our faith? And of course I'm um, paraphrasing, but what's so powerful about our faith is that we have the power to transform death. Mm. You know, we, we don't have to think of it as this sentence where everything stops, but we can transform death into into life. I mean, Jesus did that. And a better life. Right. A better life. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, when you say it's a movement, a relocation, it's hard to think about leaving your kids and never seeing them again. But that's not what death is for us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I'm just, I'm, I can't imagine going through, I mean, it has been hell. It has been absolute torture for me. You know, mm. the, I think it was the day that it happened. I saw Ren and, you know, I was cried out, but, you know, Ren showed a tremendous amount of brotherly love and, and compassion and gave me a big old hug. Yeah, you did, dude. And, and I'm, and and I'm and thankful for it. I cried. You yeah. didn't cry, but I did. I, I have a hard time crying. I was actually listening to Iron Maiden on the way here <laughs> and I started tearing up. If that's, if that doesn't say something weird about grief, man, it was so I'm weird. I'm glad you're in therapy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it, man. But, uh, you know, I, I just like, I cannot imagine going through the loss that I've gone through with as much torture as this has been for me, mm -hmm. um, without knowing, knowing that, um, You'll see stuff again. is being worked out. You mm -hmm. know, I'm sure that he's got 
work that God's got him doing. And, um, and I, I, there's just, there's trust there. It's kind of like, instead of having fear of death, it's having faith that, Mm -hmm. Hey, things are going to work out. It's just hard for us. You know, like Michael stepped back to reality. Yeah. We're kind of stuck in this place where we don't really remember everything that happened before we were born as babies. And we don't really, we can't really put a thumb on what it all, we can't really grasp it. Right. Like we function in this timeline, A to B, birth to death versus, you know, eternity. We can't even wrap our heads around that. So we're not meant to. No, we're not meant to. Yeah. It'd be kind of overwhelming. It'd be overwhelming. We can, we can focus on the task at hand. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Trust live in God our pain while yeah. the Michaels and mm-hmm. your father and mm-hmm. all these other, no more pain. Yeah. There's it's a good day. there. That's right. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just really, really thankful, you know, and, and sitting here at a table with people who believe what I believe, you know, you guys understand the, the concepts and it's easy to read about it, but, you know, I've experienced it myself where there's days where it's absolute horrendous and there's other days where it's like things are going to work out it's hard now but things are going to work out and um i'm just i'm thankful for that i appreciate you guys having me on and lots of love here yeah. I, f- I feel the uh i feel the presence of goodness call it the spirit or yeah holy ghost sure. or oh, yeah, whatever but where one or more gathers yeah yeah Here we are. Well, listeners, we're glad that you gathered with us as well. So um, we hope you take whatever you got from this uh, podcast and you can apply it in your your life. And feel free to reach out to any of us and um, hit those links and find out a little bit more about what you got going on. Yep. We'll promote promote John and... uh, and don't forget to leave us some comments because this oh, helps. Yeah. If you made it to the end, <laughs> give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate that. Yeah, Thank more you. more than just an emoji or a thumbs up, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Bye, Post Session Podcast listeners. Bye-bye. Till next time. Till next time.